From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LEPA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. It's election season, primary coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, LEPA lunch, I heard from several uh, candidates for city council. Good uh, turnout. We had a we had a really nice turnout, um, both as members to come and listen. We had good uh, following on our social media page with Facebook because we put that video out there on Facebook. It was live and people are watching that. And then also we had uh, seven candidates who actually came and showed up to talk about business issues. And so it's nice for our Im- our members to be able to hear from the candidates, see the candidates' materials, and it's also important for them to be able to interact with the candidates both before and after the luncheon. So, um, And there was, was a good. lot of that. There was a lot of interaction that I noticed afterwards especially. Yeah, I had to buzz out right away at the end of the meeting because I had to get out of town uh, to attend a visitation service for a friend of mine. And so um, I'm glad to hear. I know I saw a lot of interaction getting going afterwards. So I, I, I think it's a great value we can provide to our members. Well, who showed up? Okay, so we've got the four districts this time because, you know, in, in our city races, we have four council members who are elected by district. Kind of think of those as northeast, southeast, southwest, and northwest. Um, and then in, in two years, we'll do the three at-large seats. But So for northeast Lincoln... Um, the only candidate that showed up was Taylor Wyatt um, in the southeast uh, district, which I think there's five people <laughs> running in that district. Um, uh, Peter Cat and Tom Duden showed up in southwest Lincoln. Elena Newman was the only candidate to show up. And then we got to give a shout out to Northwest Lincoln because uh, three of the four candidates showed up from that uh, district. So uh, Wayne Reinwald, Kay Siebler, and Maggie May Squires were the three that showed up from that district. Talked a lot about uh, business issues, but also uh, some other things that we learned a little bit about the candidates, their background. And some of that uh, was, was new to a lot of us as well. Yeah, so. I, I, that's a good opportunity here. Like I said, we want to provide as much information as we can from our for our members and for them to understand their background. We talked a little bit about taxes. We talked a little bit about roads. We talked a little bit about public safety. We talked a little bit about housing. And so it's it's good for the the members to see how candidates stand on different issues. There's a little um, differentiation in opinions between some of the candidates, um, which I think is good for the members to see who they are and what they stand for. And you can vote now because early voting is open. You can do that in person or you can still uh, request an early ballot, uh, but you haven't got much time to request that. No, the the deadline to request an early ballot is close of business on Friday the 24th. Um, and then uh, you can still go to the election commission um, until April 3rd. So uh, you can go to the Election Commission office over there at 601 North 46th Street, over by the DMV, kind of behind that Target, and over by Schaefer's in that area. And uh, you can go from 8:30 to 4:30 or 8 a.m. to 4:30 uh, up until April 3rd to cast a ballot in person uh, at the Election Commission. So they have the ballots that you'll be able to get. 
early voting and uh, absentee voting has really picked up over the course of the last, uh, I'll, I'll just say decade, but seeing some of the numbers on a city election that traditionally a little lighter turnout, uh, seeing in some of the early ballot requests, the absentee ballot requests, uh, some significant increases in numbers compared to the last, uh, what, two uh, primaries? Yeah, and so... Um, you know me, Mark. I love numbers. <laughs> we'll be talking numbers later, too, today. So uh, there's a big smile on my face. But I think it's just important that we look at um, so far this week, there have been uh, 30,000 ballots, early ballots that have been sent out um, just in the city of Lincoln. Um, the. Uh, that that just makes a different change. So so I went back and I looked at 2019 and 2015, the last two mayoral races um, prior to this year, and those two races combined were under 30,000 early ballots cast. So uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen on election day, but you know, in uh, like in the 2019 primary, there was just about. 35,600 votes cast on Election Day in addition to the um, just under 17,000 um, votes that were uh, cast ballot. in the primary or in the early ballots. And then in 2015, there were 23,760 votes on Election Day and a thir- little over 13,000 early ballots cast. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens on Election Day. I know some of the candidates are trying to turn out their voters by being creative and how to get people to vote for them on an early ballot that maybe aren't usually thinking about a city election. So we could see a historic turnout in this election for a mayoral race for a primary. So, you know, if you look back to 2019, there was about 32,000 votes cast in the primary for mayor. And in 2015, there was about 36 that was that should be I said did I say fifty two thousand for twenty nineteen? Uh about fifty two thousand, yeah. I'm sorry. Yep. Um and in twenty fifteen there was about thirty six thousand. So and traditionally I think around eighty to eighty five percent of those people that request an early ballot return them. So, you know, even if it's eighty percent, you're getting twenty four thousand in early ballots coming back or more, because we still got days a few days to go for those to to go out. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what that turnout is. It almost feels to me a little more like a turnout for a general election for mayor. Well, of course, in 2019, we had uh, uh, did not have an incumbent running because uh, Mayor Beitler's the, the term limit thing had come up. So you had a little different situation where you did not have an incumbent already in there. So, uh, you know, and there were some, some yeah. things on the ballot that just kind of changed the dynamics a little. So I would expect that to be a little higher. But Seeing these early numbers now uh, yeah. probably pretends to be a significant increase. Yeah. And so, you know, in 2015, uh, Mayor Beitler was an incumbent. Andy Stebbing challenged him. And, and so I was wondering if this might feel a little bit more like that from an incumbent. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. And, you know, me, I'll continue to watch the early ballots go out and come in. And I love to try. I have spreadsheets that I do. I, I know this is shocking when you hear a numbers guy say he's got spreadsheets set up. But every night when we get those lists, I go through and I I input them into my spreadsheet and it calculates how many by party and 
all that kind of stuff, the percent, pretend returns, all that kind of stuff. So it's geek out time for me, I guess. Let's just say that. Well, we got a chance to uh, geek out even a little more now uh, coming up because uh, Southeast Community College uh, broke ground this week on a technology center. And oh. and oh, this man. is huge. Uh and and the areas of technology uh, that you're going to get your geekiness on there uh, as you see that develop as oh, well. Oh man, I you know, and and this is one of the things I, I have long time been a proponent and an advocate for community colleges. Um, and before even before I worked at Metro Community College in Omaha, I always felt like community colleges were very valuable. And when I was at Metro, I really noticed how a community college in the business community can come together and solve problems or solve issues or address issues quickly to help the business community. And so I've always been, like I said, always been a big proponent of that. But, um, you know, this is a partnership that that evolved between Sandhills Global, a very uh, data-driven technology company based here in Lincoln, headquartered in Lincoln. They've got about 900 employees in Lincoln and another five or 600 around the world and they in Southeast community college. And, and it, you know, it started with a relationship and Sandhills was looking for interns in some of their technology areas in, you know, it areas. And so they went out to Southeast and they started a scholarship and internship program where these interns are getting really good paying jobs uh, for internships they don't limit them on the number of hours they can work. So if they want to intern for 40 hours a week, 40 hours a week, and they're paying them 20, 25 bucks an hour. And they've been doing that for two or three years now. And so as we've talked about on Lincoln Business Beat, there's a huge workforce issue. And technology is one of those areas. I mean, we call uh, Lincoln the Silicon Prairie or, you know, kind of a tech hub and, we need more we need more training we need to address that and so the vision that came between Dr. Illich at SCC and the folks out at Sandhills uh came together to build this technology center really to address workforce in that technology industry so it's it's a cool project i'm excited well i'm also encouraged because from uh, some anecdotal uh, things that i've read about it and heard about it is it's going to be uh, positioned well to respond to changes in technology. And uh, as, as we know only too well, the technology that's brand new today could very well be obsolete tomorrow or next week. Maybe by the end of the business day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, having this in real time here in Lincoln with real-world connections like through Sandhills Global, we've got other companies here in Lincoln headquartered that are global in nature, and technology is what kind of allows that to happen as we look more to the virtual workforce and, and to the distributed uh, worldwide uh, reaches of these. Having a resource like that right here and then being, as you said, the, to be able to collaborate with, with real-life situations and understand I could see some big developments going forward, not just in the training, but in developing some new ways of doing business in the international marketplace. Well, I think it's you're you hit the nail on the head, drove it right through the two by four, Mark. Good job. But I, I think what it does is it brings uh, the business community and education community together. They can innovate. 
they can address what's going on to be forward thinking. You know, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more in some of the art. We're seeing more and I think it's going to continue to grow in things like artificial intelligence. And I think as a community, to me, this is such a win because if we're going to recruit business to Lincoln and we want people to come to Lincoln, this is this is a recruiting tool for us. Right. We've got this center if we want to try to recruit a technology or if somebody wants to do a technology startup here in lincoln like this is this makes it attractive it makes it attractive for our businesses that they can go out and work with southeast on these technological areas and however that can benefit their business and find interns future employees maybe help develop curriculum the other thing that i think this will allow for the community college to do is to provide some really good opportunities for training for employees as well. So to me, it's a huge win. You talked about uh, responsiveness and the ability to innovate. That's one of the things I love about the community college. They can turn on a dime and implement training in weeks that, that a business needs. And, and I'm going to go back and give you a story about when I was at Metro community college. Um, there was a another institution in, in Omaha that was doing some things, and they wanted to kind of do a business immersion for their graduates. So when their, when their graduates went out in the business world, they could actually sit at the water cooler and understand what does that, you know, annual report mean? And what is, what is a profit and law? You know, kind of more the business side of it. And, you know, I worked with the dean of our college, and we were able to provide something within weeks for these folks and it's something that they've continued to do or they had continued to do for a while but it, we were we were able to just respond turn on a dime and provide that and this technology center i think <laughs> they might be turning on quicker than a dime or i don't know what's quicker than a dime but they're gonna be traveling at a, a very high rate of speed to provide training and technology uh, training and also workforce and so for me this is a huge win for our city and for our community and for our business community. So I appreciate Dr. Illich and his innovation. And I appreciate Sean Pete and the folks out at Sand Hills Global coming together for a vision to create something that really, I think, it's a recruiting tool for Southeast. It's a recruiting tool for business. It's, it's huge for our community. It's a recruiting tool for any family that may be looking at Lincoln, whatever uh, the reason, job, uh, lifestyle, whatever. And if they have... Uh, family, kids, they can look at the full uh, spectrum of educational opportunities here at Lincoln from LPS to Southeast Community College to uh, UNL, uh, Doan is, uh, is in town, Wesleyan. Uh, it's a, a pretty amazing story. There, it is, and, and, and that's one of the things that, I again, it's, it's going to be great for our city. It's great for our business community, um, and I, I want I want to say, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm pretty sure they're hoping to have this open by the fall of 24. Fall of 24 is what we were told yesterday. So, I mean, let's, let's roll. That's, that's pretty good. So, <laughs> uh, in a building project, especially in these times. So it, it's exciting. I can't wait for, yes, the other way, the other day was the groundbreaking. I can't wait for the ribbon cutting for that thing to open and see what they do because Southeast does awesome stuff out there. If you go into their health sciences building, They've got some innovations out there that a lot of places don't have. Our deep dive is coming up next. <laughs> uh, spreadsheet, uh, you know, bud here. 
Uh, I don't know if you inputted all of this into a spreadsheet. You really don't have to because some of the top line numbers, bottom line numbers are pretty, uh, they tell their own story. I'll just put it that way. We're going to do a deep dive here on the. uh, Anybody that knows me, I love to say numbers are numbers. You may not like what they say, but numbers are numbers, and we've got to take a look at what they tell us. Our deep dive is next. We're looking at the Lincoln City budget, past and present. You need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery, trucks, other equipment for your business? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding what most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, any other big-ticket items as well. And whether you're replacing old machines, expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get that financing. It's secure, free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out an application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC. Doing business as currency pursuant to CFL license 60DBO-54873. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Back in the Lincoln Business Beat, uh, time for a deep dive. You've got some historical and current numbers and uh, more numbers, and more numbers, and then a, a few more numbers <laughs> on the Lincoln City budget. The uh, amount of taxes collected, um, three years or four years worth of budget n- numbers, and some question about where some of this money is because it looks like the city has collected quite a bit more than they've spent. Well, I've heard in meetings over the last probably six or eight months where people have mentioned that Lincoln is a very rich city and we're very flush with cash. And, um, you know, and that those little conversations kind of just stick in your mind sometimes. And so I've been thinking about it a lot lately because we talked recently about the valuation increases, the initial valuations that people have seen. And I thought, you know what? I want to go back and look at how much money the city has collected in taxes. Just taxes, not Charges for services, not intergovernmental transfers, not fees, not fines for speeding, or well, I don't know if we even patrol that anymore because we don't have any enough, enough people. But you know, just all those different things. I wanted to look just specifically at taxes, which is about a third of the city budget. So uh, I went back and did some digging. <laughs> and you found. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, they say, you know, sometimes even 
a blind squirrel finds an acorn. But as I dug into it, I wanted to look at what we budgeted as a city and what we actually collected. And the reason that I think it's important that we talk about this is because later this year, um, there's going to be a request from the city for money um, from taxes collected and they set their budget, but they seem to be collecting significantly more in taxes than what they've actually budgeted. So I just said, okay, bud, let's take a look. So in the past three budget years, now we don't have the, the most recent year numbers yet for actuals, but if we go back and we look at the uh, budget versus actual from the 2018-2019, the 2019-2020, and the 2020-21 budget years, the city has collected 101, almost $102 million more than what they budgeted. Let's, let me say that again. Just under $102 million more than what they budgeted. Where is this money going? Because w- we hear complaints about streets. We hear complaints about, you know, everybody's talking about police and firefighters and paramedics were, com- were just really understaffed. Where's that money being invested in what's happening? And that's what we need to, to try to figure out. How does that compare if you go back to, what was it, 2017, 18, the first year you had? Uh, 26, 27, 2016, 2017. The actual amount of tax revenue collected was $177.5 million. In the 2021-2022 fiscal year, the city collected $237 million. So we're talking about uh, almost $60 million more in tax collections just in that time. Okay, now let's get back to another aspect of this because taxes, primarily property taxes, is what we're talking about here. Uh, I know you've asked for levy decreases because evaluations have gone up. Do, do a quick uh, summary of what has the levy done in comparison I mean, is this just uh, uh, the fact that valuations have gone up, or uh, well, it's a a combination, actually. So it's a double whammy. (laughs) Yes, a double whammy. Thank you. So in 2018, 2019. Now, okay, these are from the city's website budget books. I downloaded these from the city's website. This isn't me making anecdotal evaluations. This is. Print it off from their website. You can go to their website. If you're listening and you want the actual links, just give me a call. I've got a sheet full of all the links to these pages. So in the 2018-29 budget year, 2018-2019, the overall tax levy rate was .31648 per $1,000 evaluation. Okay? In the 2021 2022 year, the rate was 0.31793. So it went up about point, was that 0.0015. But the levy went up. But the levy went up. Now, let's remember, our valuations in the last few years have gone up about, on average, around the county, 12 to 15%. 
So not only is my has my property valuation gone up, which means even if a sta- a, la- a rate a levy rate stays flat, I'm paying more in taxes. Oh, but wait. Not only am I paying more in taxes because my valuation went up, the actual levy rate from the city went up too. That's a huge problem for me. Yeah, that's the double whammy on this case. Yeah, and I think about what our, I mean, if you look at it, Mark, um, in the previous three years that I mentioned, the 2018-2019 budget year through the 2020-2021 budget years, the average percent the city budget went up, or average amount of revenue collected above their rate or above their budget was 17.9%. That's unbelievable. And it's funny because every year they budget less, but they're collecting more. I could be a little cynical here and say uh, they're not very good budgeters, but maybe their budgeting is just fine and the tax collections are just way more and they could be doing something about it. They see an opportunity, right? I mean, what they could do is they could say, we're only going to take what we budgeted for. Because arguably, if I budget, and, and let's just put it in a basic home budget. My budget, let's just say that our bills at home are $1,000 a month. Okay? What do we do with the money we, we, we take in besides that? Maybe we save it, right? But in this case, the city's just like, we're just going to take it. We're just going to take that extra money and we're we're going to not lower the rate. They could lower the rate. They could only ask for the money that they need for their budget. But they've budgeted that amount because they said that's what our costs are going to be. So I think it's important to ask these questions because I think about what our business owners are going through. I think about what their employees and families in Lincoln are going through. We've got inflation on Everyday items. We've talked about that probably more than people want to hear on Lincoln Business Beat. So it's all of those things. Our utility rates keep going up. Property taxes keep going up. Valuations keep going up. And the city keeps taking more money. What are we doing with it? Because I hear people all the time complain about a lot of issues around the city. Why are our roads not getting fixed as quickly as as we'd like? You know, we passed a quarter cent sales tax, but... I don't feel like the roads are being fixed. You know, people are worried about public safety. I mean, um, you know, there's there's just every day there's just these new crimes that are popping up in your news feed about what's happening. We don't have enough officers. You know, our officer rate, um, the national average, I think, is one point nine officers per thousand or something like that. We're at like barely one point one. We're behind Grand Island and Omaha in those numbers. You know, where are we with investing and recruiting? Like, let's go out and get the people. Let's address those things. So it's it's really a hard time, I think, for us as a city to look at these numbers. It's it's painful. Actually, it kind of got me fired up when I was doing this research. That's why I've been a little quiet over here. (laughs) (laughs) Mark's like, oh, God, somebody put an extra quarter in him today. No, I, I mean it's it's legitimate questions. Uh, if if you're taking in seventeen percent more than your budgeting, I know from a business perspective, uh, you'd either be upgrading capital projects, investing it, saving it, 
or you'd be, uh, you know, sending paying it out a dividend, paying a dividend. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, those are the way, but, but a lot of times when you take in more revenue, you, you make the type of capital improvements or in this day and age, one of the biggest uh, investments you can make is in your workforce. Yeah. You know, and I mean, here's the deal at the end of the day, uh, you know, we've talked, we talked on here when the valuations went up and we talked about encouraging your elected officials to lower those levy rates because of all the inflation that we've seen over the last couple of years. What are we going to do? I mean, at some point, there's a breaking point. If we, you know, we talked earlier in the last segment about recruiting people to Lincoln and making Lincoln attractive, you know, being, you know, when the city keeps taking this money and we're not seeing, you know, we're seeing more and more issues with crime. We're seeing our streets not being taken care of. Those kind of things need to be addressed. And so we need some we, we need some accountability with our elected officials. And I think it starts this year when they have to take that money and they they can decide, are we going to take more than we budgeted or are we going to take exactly what we budgeted? And I think it's high time that the city takes what they budgeted. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that uh, that's the way any business or household would have to do it. Yes. Well, we can't just go out, you know, in my household, I can't just go take money from my neighbor. Right. But um, so anyway, I think it's something I, I wanted our listeners to be aware of this. And, and I think it's important that we have these conversations and it's important that we reach out to our elected officials, because what's my favorite saying, Mark? Those who show up make the decisions. Right. And elections have consequences. Exactly. So. You know, I, I think those are important things for people to take a look at and be aware of. Well, and it'll be an opportunity because we'll have, uh, could have several new uh, members of the city council, and they'll be the ones taking this up now uh, as we go through the rest of the year. So this would be a good conversation to have if you have a newly elected uh, council person in your district. Uh, legitimate topic to discuss with them. I think it's a legitimate topic, and it's a good question to ask. Like, you know, we're in, in our country, in our city, in our state, we as the citizens are, I will, I'll say, required to question our elected officials. Yeah, I, you know, it just dawned on me. I think it's time that we adopt the Jerry Maguire uh, moniker line. <laughs> Show, <laughs> Show me, me the money, money. brother. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's right. And, you know, here's the thing about the, the city's budget book. Um, it's 270 pages long. And, it, I mean, and then you have to compare... The city budget book to the CIP to I mean you've got a you almost need a, ma a doctorate in in statistics to be able to follow where it all goes and and it shouldn't be that hard you know if 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 a citizen has to work that hard to find out where the city money goes it really has to beg the question where is the city money going so when I look at an extra hundred and one million almost a hundred and two million dollars in property ta or in taxes collected. I have to question where is the money going? And if we have that kind of money, we are a very rich city. Why are my streets not fixed? Why can we not get officers to come to this city and, and protect our community? So I think those are fair questions. Why is there a shortage of affordable housing? Exactly. Um, you know, well, hmm, we talked a little bit about regulations and recently. That, that came and came up at the uh, city council uh, forum uh, at the Liba lunch. That was mentioned several times. Yeah, so... Um, there are things that the city could do, and we could be making investments in things like infrastructure and getting our streets fixed and those other things to make this community more affordable for housing. Because any elected official 
that votes to take an extra $102 million in three years above budget that talks to me about affordable housing, it really is a struggle for me to have that conversation. Because if you're taking that money, you're taking it out of the pockets that would be spending it in Lincoln. So think if $102 million would have been left in the, pack, in the taxpayer's pocket in our city. They say for every dollar that you put in somebody's pocket, it gets spent at least seven times locally. Well, seven times 102 is $714 million. What do you think that would do for our business community, for what's happening in our city? Couldn't have said it any better. Some people would call that real money. I'm one of them people, by the way. (laughs) You just did. All right. I think we're out of time. A lot to uh, consider here. I'd suggest uh, uh, at least the second segment even go back and listen to it again because some pretty stark numbers in here. These numbers are very stark, and it's very eye-opening to sit back and take a look at those. And, of course, uh, we'd encourage you to share this podcast. always like it when you share it, uh, like it, and... uh, Tell your friends and neighbors about it because that's how we get things uh, out into the public with a, a discussion like this. Absolutely. We've got a couple fun events coming up too, Mark. We don't want to forget about that. Uh, March 28th, we have our coffee and contacts out at Rock and Joe Coffee Shop. over. Is, that's the one on South 84th? Yeah, about 84th and Glen Oaks Drive out there. Um, Dennis and his people are great. Lebo members, we're excited to get out there. Um, if you're out and about that morning we're there from 7 30 to 9 come by have a cup of coffee even if you're not a leba member come check us out and you know see the the face behind the microphone from uh the lincoln business beat and also i'm very excited uh april 6th we moved up our uh biznet our business after hours so to speak hosted by barry law firm april 13th is the annual free enterprise celebration which we talked about last week and then april 18th This is the day. Mark your calendars. We are going to have a mayoral forum with the two candidates that come through the primary uh, in the mayor's race. And we're going to have them come and talk about business issues and what they're going to do to help the business community get better. That'll be just a few weeks ahead of the uh, general election. Yeah, it's about two, almost exactly two weeks ahead. So it'll be a good time to meet those candidates and get to know them. You can check it out on the calendar at liba.org. That's liba.org. Org stands for Lincoln Independent Business Association. And if you got in for, uh, more information, you want to uh, question Bud a little more on these numbers, he'll t- believe me, he'll talk to you about them. It's Bud at Liba.org. So anything else for the good of the cause? Thanks for listening. Stay engaged. Decisions are made by those who show up. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.